0: Introducing Cuck Queen, a blog and podcast drama. The first time I ever had sex, it was with a man who did not know my full name. I couldn't tell you why I chose to share my body with this person in particular. There was no reason, I suppose. I did not have feelings for him. The boy I really loved had stood me up the week before on the night I planned to give him my virtue. I wasn't even particularly sexually aroused in the moment that that man seduced me. I chose to have sex in that moment because I just wanted to be validated as a woman. I needed to compensate for the way the boy I loved made me feel neglected and discarded of. I chose to have sex because I wanted to do something that would stop making me feel invisible. Am I really going to do this? I remember asking myself. My seducer was sitting in a chair as I stood before him in the dark in his Harlem brownstone His face was planted into my stomach, and he clasped the back of my thighs while I looked away, gazing at the floor. I decided that I would, despite how impersonal the encounter felt. The circumstances under which we met were so random and inconsequential. Days before, we were just two passing strangers on the New York City subway. He was the playful, libidinous older man who liked women wearing their natural hair. I was the jilted, sexually frustrated college girl, eager to get losing my virginity off of my bucket list. My first partner was physically attractive, but I'm sure my mother would cringe if she had met the person who would deflower her daughter. She would have wanted my first time having sex to be a romantic, passionate experience with someone my age, who I'd known for a considerable amount of time, and who had already claimed me as the love of his life. She wouldn't have wanted my first partner to be some sleazy, obscure comedian looking for a cheap throw. She would have wanted me to have really wanted it. She would have wanted me to be able to look back on my first experience of having sex with fondness and nostalgia. She would have wanted me to have set a precedent for a lifetime of sexual experiences that would exclusively be consensual and pleasurable, that would build my confidence, and would be confined to serious relationships with mature, well-adjusted, amiable men who could feasibly marry me. It has been seven years since I had sex for the first time. Seven years. Eleven lovers. Eleven disappointments. The men that followed the first were vastly different from him, but they all managed to come up short in ways that saddened me. I don't tell my mother much about my sex life, because telling her more would only make her feel guilty and defeated. And I don't want to be melancholy when I think about those lovers, because I've had titillating, satisfying, memorable sexual encounters with all of them. Some of them with intercourse. Some of them without. But mixed in there are experiences I didn't ask for, and certainly didn't want And in my darkest, most insecure moments, I can remember sharing or being forced to submit my body with some of them for reasons that had nothing to do with the essential purposes of having sex, procreation, and giving and receiving pleasure with the people who ignite our spirit and inspire us to love. My last partner, my ex-boyfriend, has made me think about this a lot, about sexual coercion, about how and why we have relations with people for reasons that have nothing to do with sexual gratification or emotional romantic attachment. My ex-boyfriend's name is Boris. I met Boris in my current home of Monrovia, Liberia, when I first moved to the country from my original home of New York almost a year ago. My experiences with Boris have made me think about how I became a woman who has consented to sex I didn't want, over and over again, and how many women there are out in the world who are just like me. My experiences with Boris also have forced me to think about how I can break the curse of unwanted and non-consexual sex with inadequate, emotionally unintelligent, and at times cruel partners that has plagued my sex life since its inception. I want to chart a new path in my personal life where I'm exclusively intimate with those mature, well-adjusted, amiable men my mother and I always assumed I would end up with, and it scares me a little bit that I'm not totally sure about how to make that happen. Like the first, my mother would not approve of my last sexual partner. Boris. in fact it would make her weep if she knew all the things boris had done to disgrace me behind closed doors all the things i couldn't bring myself to tell her when she asked me what happened with that relationship it was a scarring experience when it was all over i had trouble conceiving how i could have been so deeply deceived in who i thought this person was i asked myself how i could have let someone like that get so close to me and wreak so much havoc onto my life I was so shaken by the things that happened to me, from being with this person, that I virtually couldn't do anything else until I could find a way to heal from and make sense of it. So I sat in my living room, and I wrote, and wrote, and wrote, and wrote. wrote. A passage I expected to be a thousand-word essay that I would publish on my blog, The Correspondent, blossomed into a ten-part series of blog posts, a photo exhibition, an accompanying podcast a sprawling soundtrack, and most unexpectedly, a radio show. Talented, gracious friends and distant contacts in my Monrovia network volunteered their time, knowledge, and skills to help me pull together multimedia content that I couldn't create on my own. Supportive friends and mentors as far from Liberia as New York, Rhode Island, Lebanon, and Cambodia agreed to read and edit my rough drafts as I was working to get back in touch with my personal writing cell and well-connected, influential people who believed in me and appreciated my voice, extended their clout and resources to expand my reach, improve my productivity, and make my platform a reality. After five months of brainstorming, research, free write sessions, venting sessions, revisions, photo shoots, pitch meetings, all-nighters, and hours in WordPress, I present to you Cut Queen, a blog and podcast drama. This is the story of the sexually and emotionally abusive relationship I found myself in as I was reporting on the 2017 Liberian presidential election and my first months of living abroad and working as a foreign correspondent. There are 10 episodes to the series that depict my life with Boris. In addition to the podcast, you'll find each episode on The Correspondent in the form of a blog post, along with original photos I shot with actors in the Monrovia area reenacting scenes from the story, the blog post-corresponding podcast episode, and a YouTube playlist of songs from the soundtrack that bring to life the events that are specifically unveiled in that post. Preparing to release Cut Queen gave me a lot of anxiety. I was afraid of what my ex-boyfriend might do to try to further harm or humiliate me for sharing my story about being with him. I was afraid of how our mutual friends and Boris's family might ostracize me for airing out his dirty laundry. Monrovia is a small town, and it would be easy for people here who might be biased towards Boris to figure out who I'm talking about, despite my efforts to obscure his identity in the series. I questioned whether I should keep Monrovia identified as the setting of the story for this same reason. I was afraid of how the other men I dated before Boris might judge me for the things I endured after we were together. I was afraid that my professional contacts would write me off as being frivolous and stupid for being so open about my sex life online. I was also afraid that people would only remember me for this project instead of also taking into account the other straight, hard news reporting and cultural criticism I've done that more widely constitutes my work as a journalist. However, I was able to put all of that aside when I remembered that sharing my story as an act of solidarity to all of the other women out there who have struggled with the things I write about in Cut Queen was more significant than heeding to my fears of how my ex-boyfriend might retaliate or the judgment of people who don't really know or care about me. I think this series is important because it speaks to the crisis and how men are socially accepted and given extensive liberties in mistreating women for the sake of feeding their egos and elevating their social status. I refuse to live in and be impacted by this phenomenon without speaking out about it. Through sharing my story, I want to tell other women that I believe their testimonies of suffering from toxic, deceitful partners. I want to tell them that their feelings, their thoughts their desires, and their boundaries matter. I want to show women that we have the power to pull meaning and create identity from our most painful traumatic experiences. I hope that my story disgusts people. To a certain extent, I hope it amuses people too. I hope it gets people talking inside and outside of Monrovia and that it holds up a mirror to the absurdity, the depravity, the pervasiveness, and resultantly, the impunity surrounding infidelity and the negligence of women's sexual and emotional needs in relationships. I hope my work proves to be an impactful step towards creating accountability and improving the way women are treated as romantic and sexual partners. I hope it gives people a nuanced, fresh look at what abuse and toxicity can look like at the hands of men and women. I hope it gives women who have felt alone, confused, and ashamed in their unhealthiest relationships comfort and insight on how they can move on from those difficult experiences. And I hope that it pushes women in doubt to trust their instincts more, despite the people and things that are intent on convincing them otherwise. Yes, these are the things I hope comes from my work. In truth, I have no control over the way people react to it, but I'm at peace with this. I know that there will be people who won't like my writing or understand why the way my ex-boyfriend Boris treated me so wrong. There will be people who won't understand why Boris's behaviors would characterize as abusive. There are people who will read this and be more sympathetic to Boris than they will be to me. Some will reduce the series to being a petty, puffed-up form of revenge. And there will even be people who will read the series and believe that I deserve the abuse and humiliation I endured at the hands of my ex-boyfriend. I know this because I've already met some of these people. I'm not concerned about any of this, though. Ultimately, I'm proud of myself as a woman for taking the risks of putting myself out there and making this series. I'm proud that I created art and opportunities out of one of the most painful, demoralizing experiences of my life. I'm also proud that I've gone back to creating original content on my own platforms after years of fearfully subduing my voice online. In my day-to-day life as a freelance journalist, my ability to support myself and to pursue the stories I think are compelling and important are completely contingent upon whether someone in a position of authority endorses my skills. It feels incredible to have made this body of work without waiting for anyone to give me permission to speak sharing my story through cuckween is not about seeking revenge it's about choosing and having confidence in myself these are things i've had to relearn how to do after someone i invested my faith and intimacy in violated me in ways that i couldn't imagine cuckween is about me daring to let people in it's about me pushing myself to do something different when the reality of me being a woman was finally starting to sink in I would also say that this series is a symbol in the larger fight that I'm now waging daily to become the woman I want to be, the woman who loves herself unconditionally and who leaves behind those who won't, the woman who builds and protects her own safe spaces, and most saliently, the woman who writes prolifically and who consistently carves out time for her own projects and ideas. It would be wonderful if Kukuin becomes wildly popular like the works that inspired it, Think Cat Person, Insecure, The Kitchen Table Series, but it's perfectly okay if it doesn't. My goal in this was not to become an internet celebrity. My goal was to outdo myself, and I did just that. It took every ounce of courage I had to move to a foreign country where I had no family and no friends so I could make a new life for myself. But after having created Cuckooing, I'm proud to say that this is by far the bravest thing I've ever done. Thank you to everyone who engages in the work. Special thanks to Jefferson Krua, Ta Wongbi, Vinette Tolbert, Ya Pawan, Helen Finlay, Megan Abdulmasi, Trisha Tarmina, Meneken Warty, Rabisha Mal, and Amidu Tiba for listening to my story and for advising me on how to pull the project together and share it with the public. An extra special thanks to Aaron Day, who plays Boris, Mohammed D. Kamara, a.k.a. Boy Child the Greatest, who plays Rapa, and Mariam Mayplay, who plays Essence, alongside me as I play myself in the photo series. An extra, extra, extra special thanks to my great friend and brilliant photographer, Harry Brown, who did an excellent job taking the photos for the project. Harry worked tirelessly with the actors and me to get the perfect shots for each scene, and the series simply wouldn't have been the same without his dedication and masterful work. This project is a long time in the making, and it is my honor to share it with you. Thank you. From Monrovia with love, Monique.